Welcome back to the Southerly Podcast. We are tracing our way through the region and connecting the dots that form an intangible sense of place, supremely important to Southerners and our lifestyles. Our guests offer insights on a range of topics, some as lighthearted as a recipe and others as important as your health and wellness journey. I'm your host, Christian Owen, along with interviewers Kit Garrett and Jeannie Tabor. Our podcast is brought to you by Southerly Media, a creative media company based in Memphis, Tennessee. Southerly also publishes River City Lifestyle, a community-focused magazine about Memphis and the Mid-South. Thank you to the talented members of the Young Avenue Sound Studio for your recording and musical expertise. Now, get ready to be inspired as we shine a spotlight on the unsung heroes and the everyday champions who make our Southern communities thrive. Let's celebrate good people doing great things in the South, one story at a time. Well, hey, this is Jeannie Tabor and Kit Garrett from River City Lifestyle, and I've got the gals here at Plastic Surgery Group and Skin Care and Laser Center located in Germantown in the Baptist Complex. I'm going to get these gals to introduce themselves to us to get started and tell us a little bit about what they do. Do you want to get started first? Okay. My name is Alyn Farmer, and I'm a, a physician assistant, and I've been at PSG for about 10 years. My name's Heather Draper, and I'm also a physician assistant, and I have been at PSG for two years. My name is Lo Nelson, and I am the marketing specialist at the Plastic Surgery Group of Memphis, and I've been with the Plastic Surgery Group for about six months, but I've been in the industry for about two years. Amazing, amazing. So before we get into more of what y'all do at the Plastic Surgery Group, I would love to hear more of an overview if we could just take a step back and have a description of what y'all do and what makes you guys a little bit different. Yeah so what makes the plastic surgery group of Memphis really unique is not only do we have five board certified plastic surgeons under one roof who specialize in their own surgery techniques but can come together collaboratively as a group of surgeons but they also oversee the new PSG Skin Care and Laser Center which is incredibly unique in Memphis because it's the only Memphis aesthetic practice that's overseen by five board certified plastic surgeons so when you go there you know you're not only getting the expertise of your providers you're also getting it from the five board certified plastic surgeons that they work with. Yeah that's amazing. Why don't we jump right into some of the services you provide, and then we can talk a little bit at the end about the exciting new skincare membership that I've been reading about that I want to know more about. But starting off with Botox, not everyone who's listening maybe has done Botox, although I would guess at this point so many people have or know what it is. Could you give us just a little bit of information about how you provide the service and what, if anything, is unique about the way you do that? Uh, We'll just start, start from there. I would say the first thing to differentiate is um, people who aren't familiar with aesthetics, they come in and they assume filler and Botox are interchangeable. And so I just wanted to clarify, Botox is a toxin and is not a filler. Filler is used to add volume to the face, and we can talk about that more later. Uh, Going back to Botox, um, Botox is a toxin that helps immobilize some of the muscles as we do facial expressions that help minimize the fine line and wrinkles. It's usually a good starting point for people who want to kind of dip their toes in because you can always start slow Mm. and do a smaller dosage and then kind of get a feel for what the patient wants and the look that they're 
wanting to achieve and then kind of go from there. I agree with that. And do people typically come in with like reference photos to have an idea of what a look that they are going for? Or do you recommend that? I think both of us try and just sit down and see what the patient um, has in mind for their own face because it is a neurotoxin that freezes the muscle and some people get nervous about that and still want some movement. And so that's very possible. And then some people want to be completely frozen with no movement and that's achievable as well. So the biggest thing is getting on the same page with the patient to see which look they're kind of going for and also which areas of their face that bother them the most that kind of make them feel insecure and how we can um, make that look better to them. And the one thing I've seen is that the providers really truly do use the patient's facial anatomy before being in this industry i didn't realize how different each of our faces operate how different muscles move and so when you come into psg your provider they don't give you just a a straight you know this is the dose we give everyone who wants x look they really work with you on seeing how your muscles move what what doesn't move what should be moving what shouldn't be moving to get that look you want and i think that's really unique is because a lot of places they don't, you know, they don't really sit down and understand the face the way that our providers do. And I think having physician assistants as well as our registered nurses who inject daily, um, you get experts who know not only how the product works, but how it works within different facial groups and facial muscles. I think that sounds so interesting. And I'm realizing maybe I should have started with the question, what is the first thing that we should think about doing if we're interested in wanting to change our looks, improve our looks? Do we have a consultation? How does that get going before we launch into whether it's Botox or filler or the different services? Correct. So we usually advise patients to come in and do a consult with uh, one of the providers here. So we would, Heather, myself, or the, the nurse injectors, we would sit down and have a conversation on skin texture and skin care, as well as different services that we offer, including the neurotoxin and the filler, lasers, microneedling, different, um, even just routine facials. Yeah, that makes sense. And I imagine from how personalized, you make it sound low, that that also changes a ton depending on what age you are. So I think that's a big question too of this question of starting and how do I start? Where do I start? So when do you really recommend starting Botox, you know, staying in this lane first, or is that something that just totally depends on the person? I think it totally depends on the person. I, for speaking of myself, um, I'm pretty vain. So I wanted to be frozen from a very young age. (laughs) So I started when I was 25, which is a bit young. I started about 30. Yeah. So I think it just depends on each person and what bothers them and what doesn't bother them. Because there are some people who have no interest in doing that until like later on. And that's perfectly fine because you can start at any age. You don't, it's not too late or there is a too early, but there's not a too late. (laughs) That's really good to know. It is. And what's the too early (laughs) that you mentioned? And also my follow-up question is, if you do start early, does it take more maintenance to keep you where you want to be? In other words, is it kind of like ramped up? Do you build up a resistance exactly? Um, oh, that's a tricky question being too early. I would say, you know, your collagen starts to decline typically women about 28. So uh, up until then, your collagen is, uh, you know, increasing. So your, your movement, your facial expressions, your skin is able to bounce back. Um, 
pretty yeah, easily. And then it, over time it loses that bounce back mm-hmm. and the elasticity. And that's when you get those wrinkles and lines. And that's when it gets kind of set in. And that's different for everyone depending on genetics and a lot of other and lifestyle factors. So I think once those lines start to set in is when someone would consider it. Back to what Jeannie was saying, with that resistance, does that happen gradually over time or at a certain age does that really kind of kick into gear where they're really not responding to a certain brand of Botox and that has to change? I believe that there is um, some resistance that happens over time. We usually don't see it until someone is has been doing it for a few decades. Um, it usually doesn't happen right off. There are a there is this very small subset of people that are resistant naturally because the metabolism of how the protein goes to the muscle, but um, that is very small. But we do see it happening more and more. I feel like and Botox is one brand of neurotoxin. There are quite a few other brands, and when we start to see that resistance, we usually tell people to switch brands and to see if a different one like Juvo or Disport or Zeman or um, Daxi would work a little bit better for them. Interesting. I think there are a lot of uses for Botox that most people don't immediately think of. We think of our forehead lines and our crow's feet, where but there are a lot of other uses for these things that people probably come in a lot for. So what are those other treatments that you see often? Um, I've been treating hyperhidrosis, so excessive sweating. Um, We can treat those, the axilla, the palms, and the soles of the feet. We've also been using Botox uh, along the trapezius to help with those trigger points that people feel very tight on their shoulders. And also has a slimming, neck slimming effect. I mean, we can do um, those platysal bands when you kind of how would you call clenching your teeth and it brings out your neck muscles, those bands, uh, we can soften those with Botox as well. It can also be injected into the face for rosacea with people with um, a lot of flushing that's resistant to medications. Right. We also do um, TMJ, so clenching the masseters. We can inject the masseters and the temporalis as well. Um, that helps usually with the headaches associated with clenching and grinding of the teeth. Like, how does Botox impact those things? It's a neurotoxin, so it's softening the muscle activity, right? So okay. the clenching of the jaw, when you're, you're grinding your teeth, you're clenching your muscles, and so that's basically softening the activity of that muscle. Um, we can also inject it right over the upper lip, and it's called like the lip flip, if you will, uh, where you don't tuck your upper lip as much when you smile, or people who smile excessively and have uh, a lot of gums showing when they smile, they call it gummy smile. We can also help soften that as well. So anything that the muscle is actively working in, the neurotoxin can soften that activity. Gosh, I had no idea there were all those uses for Botox. That's interesting. I guess we'll move now to filler. And I think it would be nice to just have kind of an overall sense for when people are using that and what is the variety of fillers available, kind of just a more general um, introduction to it. So filler is used to create volume in an area that's deficient, and um, that can be the lips, the cheeks, the tear troughs, even as odd as the earlobes. I've seen that recently. Mm-hmm. The hands, the chin, jawline, mm-hmm. 
Um, I would say probably the main areas that we inject are the lips and the cheeks. Like you both have a very natural looking approach to it. Like you use filler as a solution to a problem, whereas, you know, there's a big myth and a big misunderstanding that filler makes you look overdone. So maybe touch about like how you use it for a natural looking elevation versus the myth that people see. With filler, I think the very common common concern that patients come to you with is, I don't want to look overdone. I don't want to look like I have filler. And that's a very natural and normal concern. Um, however, that is a look that some patients want and desire. So you have to talk to the patient and see what their goal and their outcome is. But yes, with regards to filler, I think personally, as well as Heather, we will touch on the laser and the microneedling. But I usually try to use as much of the laser and resurfacing and skin tightening, allowing the body to um, stimulate as much collagen that it will do before I progress to filler. Um, that usually leaves a more natural resulting appearance. If we can tighten as much skin as we can before we have to use filler, um, that way we cut down the amount of filler that we use as well as giving them the natural appearance that they're wanting. And there's a bunch of different types of filler mm -hmm. and they go in different areas of the face and so for the cheeks you would want a filler that's more firm in the consistency and that's not what people want in the lips so for the lips we would use something that's much softer mm -hmm. and give that more natural look and so the biggest thing is just getting on the same page with the patient and kind of seeing what look they're going for because not too long ago I had a patient come to me and she said I want a very subtle fullness of my lips and I said oh do you have a picture or something where I can see and she showed me a picture of the largest lips I've ever seen on anybody and so it's always good to have pictures and to have yeah. an idea of what the patient is wanting so you don't miss that and you don't give them a look that they would be unsatisfied with and what I love about working there is that we're always around we're around then the nurse injectors are around so we have Sandy we have Abby um, around and so we're, it's always nice to be able to bring one of them in or one of y'all in, one of Heather in to a room and be like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And yeah, it goes back to that collaboration you were talking about. It seems like that's very much the vibe and culture at Plastic Surgery Group, which yeah, is awesome. And any provider, like they'll honestly tell you it's time for either laser resurfacing, treatment, eyelid or brow surgery or a facelift rather than just letting you pour money into Botox and filler. So they're super upfront and very transparent with like what they truly believe will get you the results that you want. So you're, I mean, it's an investment. Botox and filler are an investment and so is a facelift and all of those things. So they want you to be putting your investment where you're going to get the results that you want. Going back to that, we see a lot of patients that sometimes may require filler dissolving just because wherever filler has been injected previously it does migrate with muscle movement and so you end up with uh, filler that is too high up above the lip line when the filler migrates you can get that uh, look that looks like a duck look what people have said before um, so when that's the case we do uh, recommend dissolving the filler and then letting that sit for a few weeks and then going back and re-injecting filler in the area that they're desiring so and just because someone needs it to be dissolved doesn't necessarily mean that it was placed poorly. But And that's something that I don't think is talked about enough is it's just kind of a natural part of the filler process is it does move a little bit and it can migrate into any muscle nearby. And when that happens, it doesn't dissolve like it would in the other tissue. 
And so a lot of people can get filler and it lasts for 12, 15, 18 months. And then they come in for another syringe. But it, at that moment is when you kind of need to have that conversation of, is there any filler that you got put in last year that maybe migrated to another area? Let's dissolve that first before we put mm-hmm. in an, another syringe of filler. Because over time, it just kind of builds up and builds up. And then you kind of have like, it's a very irregular look around the mouth. Or sometimes if you have cheek filler, it can migrate up near your eye. Or if you have tear trough filler, it can migrate kind of down towards your cheeks. And so that's something just to be aware of that happens. And it can be fixed. It's just something to be aware of. That's so interesting. I'd never heard of that before. What is the process to dissolve it? And then do you have to wait for that process to kind of clear out before you then can do the filler it's pretty immediate dissolving the filler um the one filler that we use uh, the hydrolonic acid filler you know um and there is something there is a chemical to dissolve it it's made just for that and like Alain said it does happen pretty much instantaneously it will diffuse out into the tissues a little bit over a couple of days so we usually tell our patients to wait a week or two and then come back and then we'll reassess right because they'll have normal swelling from just injecting that's something to be for the patient to be aware of but yes it's a needle it does hurt as much as filler is uncomfortable um and you could have potential bruising with you know when we dissolve so um, all those things are talked about in the consult we did there is a new product that is an injectable hyaluronic acid it is thinner than a filler it is not meant to add volume it's meant to add hydration and so we're just now getting that in and and starting to inject that skin vive it's by juvederm and that's something to be on the lookout for and you mentioned earlier that before you try the fillers route you'll try a lot of laser and skin tightening um and so kind of moving into the laser discussion, because I feel like that kind of has a lot of different pieces to it. What are those first laser treatments you go to prior to recommending a filler? I think it really depends on what the patient's skin looks like. If they have not had a good skincare routine and they haven't really done anything like Botox throughout the years, they may more, they may have more fine lines, deep wrinkles, and that would be a different laser than if they just came in and had um, some sunspots, but overall a fairly um, good complexion. complexion. And so it really depends on what the patient is, their main concern is. And like Alain was saying, we would like to do lasers and things like that before the filler, because then if you can correct those lines, you may not even need to fill those lines. We offer quite a few different lasers at PSG. We have the Cyton machine, which comes with the BBL laser, which stands for broadband light. It has the halo attachment, profractional, and TRL. Mm-hmm. And we also offer Morpheus, which is the radio frequency microneedling. They all kind of do something different. Um, it's really not a one-stop shop with any of them, mm-hmm. but you can also kind of mix and match what you do. We can do more than one of those at one time. We could start slow and then build because some people are kind of nervous about doing lasers for the first time. So I have a patient, I'm thinking of a patient, it's just a plan, just kind of an example of what we wish. She comes in and we have this consultation and we decide on several steps. And so plan, 
you know, the first plan was to do BBL, which is a broadband light. It's basically visible light that we put different filters in to tackle different things in the face. So rosacea, acne, uh, uh, brown spots, age spots. So for her, we decided to do that. And um, she actually was very deficient in volume on her cheeks. And so we actually ended up doing filler on her cheeks in that visit. Second visit, we scheduled her for a series of Morpheus 8s to tighten, and then her, she weren't going to finish up with a complete resurfacing of all her wrinkles. So it's kind of a stage-by-stage process, and we've kind of mapped it out for the patient this month. You know, on A, what her finances will allow at what point in time, but then also how recovery and how that kind of complements with the summer and, the you know, her time off. And so... The Morpheus 8 sounds like something you could land on the moon. I love that. I know. Morpheus, what, I know Morpheus, what, um, Morpheus what does happen with that that's different from the first laser you mentioned in that patient's um, example? Um, so the Morpheus 8 is different from the Cyton uh, laser just because it is a, it's a different machine. It's part of our um, body tight in mode. Um, and it is a series of needles. And it's, it looks like a kind of a handheld gun, really. And it has different attachments, different amount of needles that we can use. We can use it for the body or we can use it for the face. And the microneedling, as you've heard, probably skin pen is very common, microneedling. But this one is different in that it fires radio frequency, which is heat, uh, which then stimulates the collagen and um, retraction of the skin. And it does a good job of tightening. A lot of people do that for their neck mm-hmm. um, to kind of try and hold off that neck lift or facelift or the creepy skin that ladies get on the neck yeah it does an excellent job at tightening it does it has very little downtime too because some of our lasers have a significant downtime Mm -hmm. um the trl laser i mean it's a commitment it's our most aggressive laser that we have and you're really down for probably seven to ten days but the recovery process is a couple of months and so with the Morpheus, you're back to normal pretty much the next day. And so that is a really good option for people who have jobs that don't allow them to have the kind of downtime with the other lasers. Yeah. And with, say, you were treating someone's neck with a Morpheus 8 treatment, how long does a treatment take? Uh, well, usually we have them come in an hour early and sit with topical anesthetic for about an hour. Um, then the procedure itself depends on if we're doing the face and the neck, just the neck, you know, 45 minutes. To yeah, 30 to 45 minutes. We also offer Pronox, which is the laughing gas, if um, a patient needs it because it isn't the most pain-free procedure we have. That's a spicy sure. one. <laughs> it is spicy. Okay. Yes, so That's how I would describe it. And, and we do offer that for all of our procedures, but I would say the Morpheus is what people need it for the most really just because the heat the needling and then the heat from the radio frequency so in conversation with the patient during their consult if they aren't if they know themselves well enough and they know that they're prone to high anxiety or pain tolerance then we can usually give them a prescription for you know an anti-anxiety or a pain pill um, that they can take and then if they have to have a driver to go home but you know that's an option for them as well and I love the results you both get on Morpheus A body. Like how, because it works different than it does on the face just because, you know, your face has limited amount of fat and it just, it does a different type of thing. But the results that you both see on the Morpheus 8 body have just been incredible. Yeah, we do head to toe. So we do a lot of arms, um, a lot of knees lately um, as elbows and a lot of abdomens, a lot of women who are, too 
small or too skinny for a tummy tuck but have a little bit of loose skin after babies, it's a perfect option for them. It's also a good add-on to a surgery, and that's one of the good things about that machine is it's very lightweight. And so if someone is going under anesthesia for a procedure, they can ask a I to come into the OR and we'll do Morpheus to them while they're asleep, which is very nice. And then they don't have to even know that they're in pain. (laughs) Oh my gosh, two birds, one stone. We also offer that with the laser as well to the face. Um, It's a really good add-on for like after a facelift to kind of polish it up so that your texture matches your new look. And so that is another option that we offer that patients really love. I'm sure with the body versus the face with Morpheus 8, again, like that laser, is it much bigger or is it the same one that you use on the face you also use on the body? It is a little bit larger um, head that we put onto the machine. It is 40 needles that go in at one time um, and the face is 24. So it does have a little bit different settings as well, but it right. is a we much can larger stack head. the heat and kind of the needles go deeper with the body. Yes, on the body, they do go um, up to seven millimeters deep. On the face, you can only go to four. So to date, we've really just been talking about the aesthetics, mm-hmm. but you mentioned surgery and you know the things that you could add on in surgery. So at what point, this may be a difficult question to answer, but at what point do you begin to steer a patient toward a surgical option versus an aesthetic option? I think it just depends on what the patient comes to us for, but our machines do have limitations and sometimes they have a bigger problem than we can fix. And so... And expectations. Yes. And there are a lot of times when somebody may, this is just an example, may come for a Morpheus consult because they have a sagging neck and very crepey jowling area around the mouth. And I can look at them and just be like, I cannot give you what you want. That's only going to be achieved by a facelift or a neck lift. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we would refer them to one of our surgeons and kind of get them on their books to kind of talk about options for that. That makes a lot of sense. And like you said earlier too, with your having that team of doctors and um, being able to know from the get-go, like, okay, I'm not going to be led down this path where I do filler, I do Botox, I do a Morpheus 8 treatment, and I'm still looking for the results I wanted. That's just definitely reassuring, I think. And so I'm just kind of curious, what are the most common surgeries that y'all do? We do a lot of breast reconstruction um, after breast cancer. Um, I would say a couple of our surgeons do that the most. The other probably top ones are breast augmentation, breast ab- reductions, um, abdominoplasty, mm-hmm. and facelift. I would say those are probably the top surgeries that we perform. And I think with uh, post-pandemic and Zoom, people are just becoming so, especially women. Well, actually, men men plastic surgery is trending too. Um, it's becoming less taboo and. Um, within that demographic, but people are more aware of what their eyes look like. They're more aware of what their skin tightness looks like. And so we've seen on the rise, like a lot of um, eyelid surgery, whether it be the upper eyelid or the Mm. lower eyelid. And the results that our surgeons have been getting are just incredible. I mean, it gives someone back like 10, 15 years young, like they look so much younger with just the smallest little procedure of an eyelid surgery. It's so I think that one's kind of on the rise 
too, just with the way that things are trending and people are always on social, always on digital. Staring like, at their face. Staring at their it's face. Big. Yeah. We've had great success with the Morpheus just under the under eyes. So we can we do a smaller package where we're just tackling under the eyes with the Morpheus and we get quite a bit of tightening of the kind of eye, eye bags, if people like to say. Yes, so absolutely. I will be signing up for that one. <laughs> <Next>. Same. <laughs> um, and with some of these surgeries, like you mentioned, like a smaller surgery like that, are there certain ones that if you did maybe something smaller in your 40s that would have alleviated having to get a larger surgery in your 60s? Or is that surgery in your 60s, if you want it, kind of unavoidable? It kind of depends on what the problem is and what the thing is. But I, my, my initial answer would be no. I mean, you can have some surgeries in, in your 40s, but you you can't fight gravity yeah, for you're 20 gonna age. Yeah, gravity yeah. still happens, and you know, <laughs> and we're, we still don't have collagen, you know, on the rise in our skin as we get older, and our fat atrophies as in our face and in our body. So no, I would say probably not. Any surgeries in the 40s doesn't prevent surgeries in the 60s. But I will know. say though, if someone is kind of considering a facelift, and they do, and if they've met with the surgeon and they qualify for it. If they go ahead and get it before it's kind of almost like too late or mm. they have more medical issues that yes, prevent them from it would might be easier to go ahead and get that done cuz sometimes the later you wait in life if you wait a couple of decades you have other medical problems and you may get disqualified from being able to do some of the cosmetic things and i think the biggest thing cuz we've talked a lot about a whole bunch of different things with the different whole bunch of different fillers and types of neurotoxins and types of lasers and surgeries. It's why it's so important just to schedule a consult and kind of chat about it because um, we can come up with a game plan for all of this and we can cross off things that you maybe thought you needed but you don't or we can add in solutions that may solve some things for you and get in on some good skincare. You know, we have quite a few yeah. skin lines. That we yeah. And we have our in-house medical esthetician. So Lulu couldn't be here with us, but she loves working with patients um, on hydrofacial skin pen microneedling, like Lynn had mentioned earlier, um, and chemical peels. And doing that routinely can really help, um, you know, just keep your skin healthy and help with those fine lines and wrinkles and make sure they're not as deep. And um, Lulu works with each patient just the way that Alin and Heather do on protocols and skincare regimens and what chemical peel you should be doing, doing between your hydrofacial. So um, with all of them on the same team, I mean, you get every single aspect of your skin health checked off. Yeah, she's very thorough. We've been called multiple times into her room because she's concerned that a patient might have a skin cancer or need a biopsy or, you know. She's and, very attentive. That's yeah, for sure. and that's a good thing working in a group like ours is that there's providers available and there's always somebody there that we can kind of bounce ideas off of mm -hmm. and just make sure that, you know, we get the best care for the patient. And we're up front, and, and I have to say, if I find a limitation, I'm very upfront with the patient being like, I'm going to go get the surgeon and I'll talk to him or her about it. And, and usually patients are very appreciative, you know, of that yeah I had a patient I did laser on the other day and she really wanted the spider veins gone out of her legs and I said look I'm not the best one Alain is <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> gotta sign up for her there you go I love that and um speaking of the skincare and that's kind of your first layer of defense probably is what you're doing every single day and y'all have a lot by way of skincare and your new skincare membership and we would love to hear more about what that looks like 
Yeah, so this truly is a labor of love from the entire team. So the skincare and laser center is really new at PSG. I think it was formed back in 2020. Lynn, I believe you were on the, Heather, you've been part of the team, but it really hasn't taken off until 2023 when we decided to work together collaborative, collaboratively as a whole group. But we wanted to create some sort of program that's creates attainable skincare for every skin at every age at every stage. I feel like especially in social media now skincare is kind of framed for young people. Like it's framed around, you know, if you're in your 30s, you get this filler, you get this botox, you do the skincare. Well, we really want to embrace and celebrate aging. It's it's such a truly beautiful process that we don't want to make anyone feel inferior that they that they have had the opportunity to age. So, this VIP membership program has skincare for everyone at every age and there's two tiers. There's the diamond tier, which is uh, 20% off skincare, neuromodulators, dermofillers, PRP tear troughs, all the Cyton lasers the girls just talked about, Morpheus 8, hydrofacials, skin pen, chemical peels, and then all of our skincare products. And then the gold tier is 15% off of that as well. So it's year-round savings. We really want to make skincare an attainable uh, process for people because it's it's really important i mean skin is the largest organ on your body and so it's very important to take care of it um and sunscreen the girls preach sunscreen all the time and i feel like it's such a i mean my mom told me to put sunscreen on all the time did i really understand why no so now it's you know it's becoming more of an educational portion too is that we want people to come in and learn um, and not be intimidated by the world of skincare. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited to, to offer it and hopefully bring in uh, new patients and reward our loyal PSG patients. You know, you do get all of those discounts once you're, you are a member in that. And then you also get certain VIP access to certain yes, things, so, I think. So um, in addition to getting the year-round discount, we wanted to make this membership program really special. Um, so when you sign up, you'll get a welcome gift, and that includes 25 units of Botox and one syringe of filler. So you'll work with your provider to decide the best use for those things. Um, throughout the year, we will have VIP member-only skincare and service sales. So VIP members will only be able to access those special sales. Uh, they'll get early bird access to new products and new launches. Um, You'll get special gift with purchase promotions when they come out. You'll be able to enter member-only giveaways that we do on social media. And then we are planning a few skincare events um, with very special savings in the future. So you'll get access to that as a member. So we wanted to make it more of an experience for our patients because everything is so experience-based now. And why invest in something that you're not going to get anything back from? So we wanted to really make the investment worthwhile for our patients to not only enjoy their skin, but also enjoy the journey to their confidence in their skin. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be fun to see, because I imagine you have a lot of patients who will now have a little bit of extra motivation to stay current on their um, maintenance, you know, so that'll be interesting to, to see how that works. Do you all, it sounds like maybe Lulu is the expert in that, but do you guys have any thoughts about skincare um, well, like Lo said, um, sunscreen. Absolutely. Avoid the sun at all costs. That's no. my motto. No. Um. <laughs> you understand. She goes on vacation. She has this hat. And she I mean, your skin is perfect. I know exactly. So Taking good. notes. Yes. I have a very exciting mm-hmm. long sleeve bathing suit. <laughs> you know, big visor hat. Mm-hmm. I would say after sunscreen, the best thing you can do is some sort of retinol like tretinoin, retin-A, retinoid, something in that field. And wash your face at night. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, wash, wash your face. Do you recommend washing your face in the morning too? There's been a lot of debate about I've that. I've seen that. 
like what is up with that there's like a debate on is it good to wash your face in the morning so personally i put a lot of skin products on my face at night Mm -hmm. and then i have my regimen that i use in the morning so in my mind i wash off last night's you know, well, and it's important to wash my face off, and yeah. then I put my new skincare regimen on in the morning. And so, it's important yes, to wash off retinol too, because it can react with the sun mm-hmm. in a dangerous okay. way, right? Like, is that a myth that maybe I've heard? And or if you wash your like wash all the products off, like Alain was saying, then it allows the new products you place to that actually be absorbed. Some are night better. dependent, and some are for night only, and some are for mornings. And so, I would I would recommend washing night and morning. Well, do yeah. you want to share with us your routine? That oh, I'm gosh. fascinated. Um, sure. Uh, just <laughs> before I, I preface that, I will say with patients who have, if they have no experience with skincare, and it's very easy to get overwhelmed with the amount of steps, and I go, I can never do that. I can never do that. So usually with patients, I will start them with one or two steps. Once they get nice and familiar, even six months on that, we can add one more. We can gradually add it in, but this is years of skincare that we're You're talking about, not... Not like, I don't expect someone with zero, you know, skincare to come in and start using seven products at night, you know. So, okay. So usually at night, I start with a wash. I wash my face. Um, fan of a Retin-A or Retinol, as uh, Heather has said. A skin, like a color, uh, skin color defense system, either um, Hydroquina, which I'm not a big fan of, but there's several other options we offer um, with SkinCeuticals. And Elastin has some discoloration defense options as well as Skin Better. Um, like Alain said, if someone comes in who has no skincare routine, we'll start them out very simple. It's like a sunscreen in the morning, a retinol or something of that nature at, at, at night. night. Mm-hmm. And then as they want to add, we have lots of options. We sell numerous brands at PSG and we have a lot of different products for different skin concerns like discoloration, melasma, acne, um, fine lines, yeah, rosacea. Um, and I don't, I mean, I say, I, I don't think any skincare, one skincare line has all the products. I think correct. all of us I have. I think we all mix and match ones, right, brands. Right, from different brands. So. I think in the mornings, I mean, I personally, after I wash my face, I use an antioxidant, like a vitamin C. Mm-hmm. I also use something to fight discoloration because I tend to, correct like me personally, thing. I have um, pigment issues and then a sunscreen and then at night I switch between like a glycolic acid or a retin-a product and I think that's what we recommend to our patients the most is um, something along that line and then a good moisturizer morning and night mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of like the basics of a, a skincare routine and we can customize that because some people have oily skin some people have dry skin some people have eczema, rosacea, a lot of different concerns. And so um, what works for like your best friend may not work for you. And so that's the importance of coming in for a consult and having us kind of take a look and kind of see what may help and benefit you the most. And like kind of going to what you were saying about people staring at their faces on social media and how skincare is such a trend right now for younger people that like what works for that influencer is not going to work for you. So having a resource people who could actually look at you and tell you and work with you to come up with a skincare that really works or you know if you do want to dive deeper into what y'all offer. I mean, more realistic if someone's using you know CeraVe or stuff. There's a good good moisturizing brands you know we'll work with you if you yeah you don't have to Mm -hmm. spend like five hundred dollars we're not gonna yeah we can offer 
less expensive options. We can offer expensive options. We can meet you like where you are mm-hmm. in that. Amazing. Are there any myths you want to bust? Like anything that you've been seeing on social or anything that you've just been like, I really want to just set the record straight on this myth or this. I don't know if I have a specific myth at the moment that I can think of, but overfilled faces with filler needs to be out for 2024 yes, <laughs> I, I and forever yes <laughs> i i mean i go for a more natural approach and i that's how i inject as well but i do think that social media has kind of skewed expectations and what of what normal is as well and that's something that when some patients come in it's kind of like let's have a real talk moment here of like, maybe you need to back it up because that's, I mean, I think normalization has kind of become skewed because of social media. I would agree with that. And I think patients trust you and all the providers at PSG is because you won't overfill them just to sell the syringe. Like you will be honest with them of, you know, what you feel comfortable doing, what's their safety and also, you know, what's in their best interest, even if it's that difficult talk first. Yeah, because I mean, I think, Going back to safety, I mean, I think, you know, it's imperative that your injector knows the facial anatomy and, you know, especially with filler when we're getting into... Because there can be major risk involved with that. Blindness, you know, necrosis of the the nose. I mean, if you get in filler with those major arteries of the face, you can have some very big complications. And so it's essential that you have someone who knows their anatomy um, and is very comfortable in the different planes on where to inject the filler. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was informative and helpful, and I feel like I need to really break down my skincare now. Yes, it does. <laughs> Book your, <laughs> your consultation. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course.